former Marine, a Shrig brother, competitive shooter, and a member of Team RSF and Recon Sniper Foundation. These are just a few of the things you're going to learn about our next guest here on the Jarhead Podcast. Let's roll that intro. You will treat all Marines with the highest level of respect, for we have earned our place as Marines and will accept up to less than that from you. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. What is going on, all my crayon eaters? Welcome to the Jarhead Podcast Season 2. Welcome to the suck. We're going to have a lot of great guests this season. We're really excited about uh, our guest tonight. Todd has, uh, is a former Marine, a uh, former Shrig brother of mine, and a uh, competitive shooter. Does a lot of stuff with Recon and Sniper Foundation. We're going to get into all of that, plus a lot of the fun questions we always ask. But before we get going, let's do remember one thing. There are a lot of brothers and sisters out there that we have that are in pain, that are in that darkness, and they're looking for that light. Email me, text me, call me 24-7. I can't give you any medical advice, but I can be a pretty decent ear to listen to, maybe talk you through some stuff. If you are looking out there for someone to get you some medical attention or put you in the right direction for some help, remember two things. One, you are not alone in this fight. You have a lot of brothers out here that are willing and able to help you in any way possible. And two, The world is a much better place with you in it. So please, I implore you, utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. Now you can do it on your cell phone. Just dial 988, 988 on your cell phone, the Veteran Crisis Hotline. And as always, we're going to spotlight the United States Marine Corps. If you have any questions on what it takes to earn the title of United States Marine See the website marines.com. So we're going to bring in our buddy Todd, who uh, once again, former Marine, uh, was in Shrig. It was so funny, Todd, is, is when we were, uh, we first started talking, I don't know, a couple of years ago and through social medias and all that. You know, it's so funny that the guys today, when you say I was a Shrig guy, they have no idea what Shrig was. Back then, we thought we were pretty high-speed, low-drag, pretty cool guys, did some weird different stuff in different parts of the world and all of that. Um, but Shrig, Shrig stands for Surveillance Reconnaissance Intelligence Group. And uh, there's not many of us that were in there because it was a small, small, at least uh, I was with third and with first, and I, and, and I was never over at second. I was never at Lejeune, thank God. Um, I was with hey, third dear. and with first. <laughs> and... Um, so there's just kind of a small thing, and, and and I've run into several guys that were in about the same time and were different places, even the same places like in Camp Hanson and, and, and Okinawa, but they had left, rotated out maybe two or three months before I got there or whatever, and it was kind of cool. But, um, yeah, Shrig doesn't even exist anymore, so it's kind of cool when you hear someone say, I was a Shrig guy. Hey, I know about when you were in, and I know when you got out because Shrig, I got out in 98, and it, and it was dismantling at that point. They were transitioning maybe to MAGTAF. I don't remember exactly where it transitioned to after uh, group, but I think it went over to MAGTAF and all that. So we had over in, in third, uh, first, um, 
that was we had Intel, we had all that stuff. Uh, Force Anglico, eleventh, thirteenth, and fifteenth Muse, if I'm not mistaken. Over in the third, we had Cab, who's what was out with the Combat Assault Battalion. Uh, had the Intel stuff, uh, and then you had the 31st Mew, which I was attached to for a while, going some places. So it was a kind of a cool time, a cool place that no longer exists. So when you run into a guy that said he was a shrig guy, it's like, holy shit. You know, it's one of those things where, wow, you don't see many of them. But uh, welcome to the Jarhead Podcast, Todd. I appreciate you coming on, bro. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, what you said there, I was like, yeah, I still have my uh, first Intel company shirt. Right yeah. out of Camp Pendleton. Uh, I don't have anything from Third SRI Group. Third SRI, yeah. even though I was part of Third SRI Group, I don't think we officially stood up when I was there. We had we stayed. We were headquartered at the what was the uh, Battalion Eight Station, right by okay. the uh, Hilo uh, Pad at Camp Courtney. So that's interesting because I spent, I spent, yeah, because I spent, when I got there, I got there in um, late, uh, early November, actually, uh, mid-November, I guess, early November, early November of 94, and I was at Hanson with Cav, with 3rd Cav was, uh, I don't even know, I don't think they're around anymore, but 3rd Cav was Combat Assault Battalion, and we were at at Hanson, and then I immediately got attached to 31st View, which we were rotating uh we were going a couple places over in east africa and some different places um we were gone till like may when i came back we had three weeks in our barracks and then they transitioned us down to courtney so i spent the the last few months at courtney um we were so you know where like the the little chow hall was we were the barracks kind of facing that like in an angle right there by the gate. If you remember that it's yeah. been a long time. It's been a while. So if you come in the front gate, I know there were some folks in the barracks to the right of the front gate. If you go down to the main uh, coming in the main gate, uh, yeah. go down and then you had, you turn left. It's by the E club just down yeah. past the E club, go further on down. That's where we were. Yeah, we were up top right there by the gate. And the, the, the bad thing about that is where my window was, was right in the sunlight uh, during the day. So we ended up putting the, the, the aluminum foil over the windows and, and, our, and our poncho liner. We had our poncho liner up and covering the aluminum foil because it was like the sun came right in and, and all that. It was some cool times. Yeah, I was at Courtney for a few months. Probably got there, I want to say like maybe early July early July and then was there for a few months before I left. But yeah, it was cool. I loved Okinawa. Obviously I'm married in Okinawa. So I, I kind of am partial to that. Um, nice. So I met her cool. there. Congratulations. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I don't know about that. 26 years of an Okinawan girl. It's kind of, it's kind of a brutal thing. You know how it is, but, uh, but uh, no, it's, it's tenacity, dude. <laughs> yeah yeah so i i love okinawa my actually my wife's going back in uh january february for a few weeks to see her parents and all of that so uh love it over there and all that but yeah um yeah um i i i really did a lot of people didn't like the rock i went over there as a 19 year old um you know pfc not knowing anything about anything 
out of school and all that. And I said, you know what? And when I got out of school, they said, you know, I came in second in my class. So they basically gave me choice of duty station. I said, well, I'm never going to go to Japan. I knew I didn't want to go to Lejeune. You know, I, I didn't really enjoy the East Coast. You know, I was over there for school, not not Lejeune, but I was in the East Coast. Didn't really. I'm not an East Coast guy. I went to boot camp in, in San Diego, so I was like, yeah, let's let's put that down there. But I said, you know what? I'm gonna go. I want to go to Okinawa because I'm never gonna go to Japan in my regular life. So I might as well get paid to go do an adventure. So I went over there with that an attitude of, man, let's have some fun. Let's let's do this right. You know, we went up to camp. Was it Akuma up north? You know, on weekends and camped out and did a lot of scuba diving, a lot of snorkeling. Uh, obviously enjoyed the nightlife and all of that when we were there, but I really enjoyed Okinawa. Um, I don't know how you, what your experiences were. Did you enjoy it, or were you one of those guys that uh, was just trying to get off the rock? Um, I actually had a great time out there, even though I was yeah. only stationed there for a year. I think I was on yeah. island for a total of three months. Yeah, it's about that was yeah. Ago. Yeah, uh, we were, you know, sent out on various debts, right? So the yeah. uh, TAD here and there. Oh yeah, I was definitely busy. Yeah, we like I said, I got there in November, and we we were told that we were leaving uh, early January. So I literally had like seven weeks to catch up a three month workup that everyone else had already been working on, and I was like, once again, I'm also 19, like. The only thing I know is what I've learned at school, and you learn real quick. Uh, that ain't how it works in the fleet. So, uh, so I'm learning. I'm attached to 31st View with with CAB, and um, so it's it's one of those things where you learn real quickly. Uh, you better learn real quickly to adapt once again to learn quick. And I just went in there to keep my head down. But yeah, we were gone at least till like May, late May. So, yeah, so I was really half the year. I was I wasn't even on island, which was it was OK. It was we did some cool stuff. We did some bad stuff, but uh, it is what it is. That's what we do. But and all that uh, before we get going into the deep questions, we like to do a thing called the pit. And really what it is, is it's, it's just quick. Like first thing that comes to your head answers, kind of get the flood going, the blood flowing before we really kind of dive into the deep, heavy stuff. So I'm going to throw some questions out there, Todd, and just kind of first thing that comes to your mind, go for it. All right. All right. Best we'll try. <laughs> all right. Best and worst MRE. Oh, wow. I think it was the, the, the best. Oof. It's been a while. Um, what was that? The I hated the the Franken beans, right? Oh yeah, that literally. was the worst. Um, I think the the chicken. What was that chicken a la king or something like that? Yeah, it was like the chicken breast thing, or or you talking about the, the cubed up the cubed up ones? It was the cubed up ones. Yeah, okay. I remember, I don't remember the name of, it, but I remember those. Yeah. I know guys that remember numbers on, on those. I yeah. can't remember those. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> now, my favorite was the beef stew. Uh, for some reason, the beef stew was always, you could count on it just being decent. Um, and, you know, we had sometimes we, we would just kind of have a few minutes here and there in between whatever. So I would just throw the peanut butter and the crackers into the beef stew. It sounds disgusting and mix it all up and just try to down it. I'm telling you, peanut butter crackers and a beef stew actually wasn't bad. I don't know, but that was my favorite. 
That is interesting. We uh we we pack other little things like you know like the top ramen just yep. to get thrown in there, right? So that helps. Um, those flavor packets were good. I can't say with the beef stew instead of the peanut butter. I actually put the cheese in there. With, with the oh, okay. I didn't. I never tried that. That would have been smart to do. Yeah, that would have been good. Yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. So it's one of those things we do this weekend. Is go go buy, go buy a box of MREs and go try to to conjure up all the crazy stuff that we had uh, made. Wait, you know, <laughs> I was at the uh, local uh, Army surplus store last year sometime. I was picking up something, um, and they had a a case of MREs, and I was really close, really close to buying it just to see what was in there and, <laughs> and all of that. But like, oh my gosh! So yeah. What was um what was your least favorite MRE if you remember? It was the uh, Franken beans. Could not. Stand okay. That. Okay. Yeah, that was bad. Um, there was something. Do you remember the 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 egg one? The breakfast, the egg, something with egg. It was nasty. And then there was a tuna one that was just disgusting. It sounds disgusting. <laughs> They're bad. They were bad. We did have a guy. <clears throat> We had a guy that um, he was our DM and he enjoyed the tuna. So every time anyone got in the tuna, like he was willing to trade for it. We're like, hell yeah. I'll, whatever, it, whatever you have is better than the tuna. So uh, we would trade, we would trade with him. So it, it is what it is. But uh, yeah. yeah, everybody's got the different taste. There's guys that like the Franken beans that they, they, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. You see guys now, it's like they order a hamburger dry. Yeah. Like, I don't know, dude. You're missing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's taste buds, I guess, are different. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, favorite superhero? Uh, superhero. Wow. Uh, super, Superman, obviously. I Yeah. It, yeah. it would it, it would be Superman for sure. There you go. Uh, of all the weapons that you've had uh, opportunity to shoot in your life, what's your favorite weapon system that you've you've been able to shoot? Oh man, do they still have the? Is this still called the Mark IV, which was the little grenade launcher thing? Uh, it, it, it was like a. For me, it was like the Mark. It was like the Mark nineteen or something like that. It looked like the mod deuce that you had a hand, but you, it was the. Do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. Oh, I think it was bad. I think it was like the Mark nineteen or something. But oh my was god, it the Mark nineteen. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. I might be wrong. It's been a long time, but yeah, that it, thing is you, bad. You're probably right. That is my favorite because I just remember cruising behind, you know, a well in a turret with that thing just. Laying down rounds, boom, 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 and just watching them fly out there and detonate. Just destroy <laughs> stuff. I mean, it just absolutely destroys. I mean, who doesn't want a fully automatic 20 millimeter grenade? I think it was a 20 millimeter, whatever it was. I think it was a bad thing, though. That thing, it was, doo, 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 and you're like, oh, the coolest sound ever. I know a Maud Deuce has a great sound, and I know that um, a, a minigun has a great sound. The grenade launcher is pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's pretty devastating, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was your first car? 
Ooh, it was a 1977 Chevy Chevette. Nice. <laughs> Chevettes were badass, dude. They were they were badass. Oh, I were know. Well, no, no, no. Chevette, not a not Chevette. Not yeah, Corvette. I know a Chevette. I know a Chevette. Yeah, they were pretty badass oh, little oh. things, man. You okay? All right. My buddy of mine had one. My buddy of mine had one, and he would. Uh, well, he might have been souped up. I don't know, but it was a pretty cool little car. Yeah, it, it, back then it was five hundred bucks. It got me yeah. to school. You know, um, where I grew up, we were allowed to drive to school at sixteen. We could have our driver's license, right? So, and yep. yep. we're set. Absolutely. And the last one, and this is usually our most controversial question that we ask. Uh, people getting arguments out there about this and uh, comments will ran, run rabid through the uh, comments when this is posted. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, I'm sorry, you, you broke broke up a little bit. Is a, what? Is, is, a, is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Um... I would say no. That's a great answer. That is the that is the correct answer in my book. Man, there's people that get butt hurt over that question. So um, the, the fans out there, they love it. So, um, you know, two pieces of bread and a meat is a sandwich. That's that's a bun. More importantly, if you go to a restaurant, a hot dog and a hamburger are their own separate entities. They're not, they're not under the sandwich menu. They're their own separate thing. So um, that's just me, but there's, um, there's some people out there that is probably the flat earthers that think that uh, the hot dogs are sandwiches, but Hey, to each his own. It is what it is. Yep. They call me up, change my mind. I'm happy to talk to you. There you go. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, we're going to get ready to get into it. And, and, and these are the questions that uh, everyone loves to hear. And, we ask a lot of the same questions, but today in this podcast, guys, what we're going to be talking about is about Todd's experiences in the military, kind of what are some of the stories that he had. More importantly, um, he is a member of Team RSS and a member of the Recon and Sniper Foundation. It's a great founda- foundation that does a lot of great work, especially in the competitive shooting world. Team RSF is out there, um, and there's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about for the people out there that are uh, transitioning or thinking about do i need i'm at that 12 year mark do i want to go ahead and go to 20 what is out there and all that we're going to talk a little bit about stuff about after the military life and we've been doing that for a while but i think that's where a lot of people are especially out there if you're if you're active right now you may not know what some of the options are and they're some of the foundations and organizations that are out there to help you in that decision and the transition so we're going to kind of jump in and the best way to start out i guess is with todd you know what motivated you to join the Marine Corps? Was that something, was a military part of your family's history, or was that something you always wanted to do, or how did joining the Marine Corps happen in your life? Um, personal reasons, I wanted to get out of the house. And I took my ASVAB and had all the recruiters hit me up. But I think the Marine Corps had more I more of what I was looking for, right? Um, the uniform obviously was the shits. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the blues. No, it's, the, it's the best uniform in the military. Hands right, down. The blues is there. And 
just looking at all, I did my own little research way back when, and uh, you know that that's was the the branch that I wanted. It was the men's department of the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that. I've never heard that before, but I like that. Uh, I've got a bunch of buddies that are squids so that were team guys. Uh, and I usually call them meal team six or gravy seals or something, but I'm going to call them the kids department of the men's store. So, and we're the men, we're, we're, we're in the adult section. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that. Was, that. The, you know, that was what we talked about back when I was in, right? The whole crayon yeah. eating thing had to happen I never knew after it. I, I was like, what? I, I I never even heard of it until probably yep. like about four or five years ago. So that's new. Some way, I had no idea. I had never heard of it. And people say, oh, what's up, Crayon Eater? And I'm like, like what? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. Now it's just one of those things where I had someone send me a box of Crayolas. But he, he, inside of it, it plays a Marine Corps hymn. It plays taps. It plays music when you open it up and all that. But I had no idea what the crayon thing was. The, the worst thing you could call us back in the day was a jarhead. But like we totally embraced Jarhead. Like that was right. you weren't getting hurt us with Jarhead. So I they really didn't had they had nothing to call us. Um I heard Simper Pie one time. Uh that was pretty funny. But um yeah, I, the crayon thing has gotta be in the, in the last ten years. I don't know. Yep. So um Tell us a little bit about your time in the core. Uh, maybe you don't have to go into the specifics because there's some things I know that, um, but kind of give an idea to people, their background of, of what your MOS was, kind of some of the, maybe some of the, the schools or training that you did um, and all that stuff. So they kind of understand like what your background with the Marine Corps is. Sure. Uh, I actually signed up to be a computer operator. That no was uh, 4030. I think it was 4034 was the MOS. Okay. Uh, graduated from boot camp. Uh, I was Paris Island. 2044 okay. was the platoon. And first school was out of Quantico. Okay. That was where the computer science school was. Went there, learned some COBOL programming, learned how to be a tape ape, uh, worked on a basically it was a uh yeah it, it was big mainframe systems that was back then and after as we were finishing up with school we were we were asked to volunteer they needed three volunteer to go down to damnack virginia volunteer so it's like it's to another type of computer training that's where i went to school was at damnack yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So went down to Damn Neck and uh, back then it was called the uh, Magis IAC. Um, mm -hmm. It was Marine Air Ground Intelligence Services mm -hmm. and Intel Analyst Center. That's the IAC. Yeah. It yeah. was basically three old bands put together and <laughs> it was archaic. I, I, seriously. What year is this? What year is this, by the way? So this was uh, 88. Okay. I was there in 94. So, yeah. Okay. okay. 88. These vans had literally <laughs> really old stuff. All right. 
you know, back in 88, there wasn't uh, computers were not a big thing back then. So they had these giant uh, disks and it was five disks and it was probably like about that big around. Oh, wow. We have jokes about sending, you know, boots to go get LPDs, right? You know, blinker uh, fluid. Those LPDs. <laughs> Left-handed screwdrivers. Left-handed screwdrivers were great ones, yeah. Yep. So LPDs, little pink dots. These. This was basically punched from paper tape, right? So you send them to go get, hey, go get me a box of LPDs. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, oh, Lord. Quantico, Damneck, Okinawa. Okinawa was third SRI group. Yeah. Uh, spent time there uh, back then when there was a real Subic Bay, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. yep. We didn't get a chance to go to the Philippines. It was already pretty much like we weren't allowed there in 94, 95. Uh, so, I don't know if we had a presence there or not. But we weren't, we couldn't go, so I didn't get the chance to go there. I heard it was pretty cool, though. Yeah. It's not. It was nice when you know when I was there. Uh, let's see. From Okinawa, came back to Pendleton. I was with First mm-hmm. SRI Group. Uh, let's see, First SRI Group, uh, thirteen area. You know, at okay. Pendleton. Yep. Uh, there was a tank museum that was outdoors back by what was the Rattlesnake Canyon Road. That, really? That yep. So back okay. there was where uh, first uh, first SRI group was headquartered at. Yeah, I was when I was with Shrig uh, first Shrig, I was with Ninth Com Battalion, and so we were basically right across the street from the PX. Um. Across from the across the, uh, the the road from group and all of that, we were on this on on the mountainside of of the highway uh, with Ninth Calm back back there. Okay. Yep. They had a little, little compound. I don't know if Ninth Calm was a thing when you were there or not. I have no idea. Ninth, yep, I, I do remember Ninth Calm. We had partnered up with Ninth <laughs> Calm. I because of the work that we were doing, we were. Uh, working, providing uh, analysis work, right? Back then there was the scampers. I don't know if yeah. you if yeah. they had those oh, folks, yeah. right? The counter oh, yeah. intel guys, you know. Um, the human, we call them. We were that's what, we were human, yeah. Yep. Human intelligence. These people don't realize. Basically, we were the drones before drones. The, that's what sca- the scampers were. They were basically planted. Uh, they'll, they'll drop them sensors right from the back mm-hmm. of uh, 46s. Yep. And boom, they can say, yep. That, yeah, from my understanding, that's gone. That's been gone a long time. Yeah, <clears throat> I think, yeah, uh, a long time. But that's kind of what we we were somewhere for about. We were usually there for two two or three weeks at the most. Uh, sometimes we slept in trees. Sometimes we had a building that we would take over kind of just basically whatever was around. We kind of just did what we had. We, 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 we observed, we were there making sure that we got Intel back to whoever needed it for whatever mission, whatever decision they were going to do with whatever 
they needed. But yeah, that was an interesting time. Um, especially when you're 19 year old boot out of, out of school, you got picked for all the crappy, crappy jobs and all of that. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, I was corporal of the guards when Kuwait went down. So you, so you, did you, so did you go over there? Were you over? I in, in, yeah. I, did not. I was always I, wondering what that was like. I did not. Uh, most of the unit went and yeah. I had orders. Oh, okay. To go for a third school. Uh, mm-hmm. They were changing my MOS. I'm like, okay. I didn't ask for it. First sergeant says, sorry, you can't turn it down. We're officially in a conflict of some sort. So, that's what he told me. So, you know, I, I three bags full, boom, off to Lejeune Courthouse Bay. And I yes. was uh, electrical equipment repairs MOS. Okay. All right. So all the big generators that ran all the camps. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. That ran everything. That's what I learned to work on. Uh, well, to it's interesting. Running. Yeah. It, it was an interesting. I don't know what happened. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, the finished school went to Twenty Nine Palms. Last the stomps. <laughs> yep, the Twenty Nine Palms. Yep, I loved it. Yeah, I had a great time out there. I I, we were there for training. I enjoyed it when we went up there, but I wasn't there for very long. I was there for a few days. Um, I wasn't stationed up there, so I, I probably it's probably different up there if you live there. I don't know. I kept myself busy. I uh, lived out in town and. I was volunteer firefighter out there. So that took up, you know, some of my time, but it, to me it was, it kept me busy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really what it is, is people, people don't realize this. And I can't, I can't speak. I don't think you can. I, I don't speak for any other branches. I can just tell you what it is. When, at least when I was in the Marine Corps, is we, 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 we talk about two things. Hurry up and wait is a real thing. And then yeah. standby for the standby standby is a real thing also. So you have to get creative on keeping your mind sharp or at least keeping you to where you're not bored and going crazy. You've got to, you got to just figure out a way to make it through whatever, wherever you are. Um, what I will say this is, is, and we, like I said, we were only in the stumps for like a few days at a time. Uh, we had to go up and do something or whatever, test out something or some radios or uh, do some different stuff out there. Um, I will say this. Um, usually the worst places to be stationed have like the most stuff for the guys on base, whether it's a really cool E-club or NCO club or they've got a great PX. I don't know. They, they usually have – they know that they're in the shithole of the earth. So they give you really cool places to go. Uh, usually a theater or something at the stumps. How was this? Did they give you all that stuff? The stumps or was it as bad as it looked from where I was? It's as bad as. Okay. I thought it was pretty bad. You know, I kept myself busy, right? Um, I was with uh, Marine wing support squadron 173. We took care of the expeditionary field out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked in the S three. They sent me to NDC school. Uh, 
back when it was still, you know, at El Toro. It wasn't the full length mm-hmm. one, right? Guys, I want to take just a minute to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. A couple friends of mine are part of what they call the Marsoc Three, who were falsely accused and falsely charged with the death of a contractor back in 2019. This has been going on for three years, and they're dragging them, their families, and their friends through absolute hell. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever to say anything but self-defense. If you haven't heard of the Marsoc 3, just Google it and you can find all, all the information you want. What I'm asking you to do is to help, 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 help these guys with their legal defense costs. It's going to cost a lot of money for these guys to fight for their lives, and I'm asking you to join me in helping them support this cause. All you got to do is go to this website and donate what you can, whether it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, whatever you have, every dollar helps. So if the word Semper Fidelis mean anything to any of you out there, please, 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 Join me in this fight. Let's free the three. I was a combat safety swimmer, so I basically made sure my squadron was, you know, trained up, ready to go. Right. Nice. Oh, so, so you were the go-to guy in, for the water in your unit. Yeah. Yep. yep nice. Yep. How'd that, that go fun. for you? <laughs> but you, know, you loved your ass, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting to get senior enlisted Marines come up. Hey, Corporal, yeah, can you hook an old dog up? Sure. I'll make sure your bag is not a wet one. It's a, you know, brand new, you know, hasn't hit water yet, so it's going to float. Right? Oh, come on. (laughs) You know. Sorry, Top. You're you're getting in the water, bud. Sorry. That's just the way it is. (laughs) You know, I think they understood. They, They definitely tried. Um, they yeah. ultimately got in and did what they had to do, right? I think everyone tried to get out of that because people don't realize, like, the water sucks. Like, really, the water sucks. Like, that is the great equalizer. Uh, I, I'm comfortable in the water. I grew up and I had a pool, you know, swim the pool all the time. But it's different when you've got a full loadout and full camis, and they teach you how to, you know, to air it up a little bit to float, but it really doesn't work. Um, all of this stuff, it's it's different when you're not in a bathing suit, swim with your girlfriend or whatever. It's real and it sucks. Um, the worst thing that I ever did in the water, did you ever do the drown proofing? That was not good. And yeah, I'm yeah. short, so I had I had a lot longer to go up and a lot farther down to come down being five foot seven. I like to say I'm five foot eight, but I'm really five seven. So that was a difficult thing for me is um drown proofing was not fun that was the worst thing probably in the water that i ever did i think i uh learned some little techniques right because i was a being in okinawa i got scuba certified and right right before kuwait hit i was actually working on my uh uh, rescue diver certification out here really oh wow nice so the instructor is old Corps marine great guy and uh, he taught me a bunch of tricks so yeah. when i went to go get qualified to become a combat safety swimmer you got all the instructors that's like okay you have to at least i think it was like drop swim like a thousand yards holy cow uh, within a certain amount of time tread water now, is this all in a pool or is this an open water? This is in a pool, right? This right. was in the pool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there were some 
requirements, right? And then part of that drown proofing thing is they want to see if they can do something to you to make you freak out. Yep. Because you, if you're going to be a combat safety swimmer, you got to know how to get out of there. Right? See, so, we they didn't they didn't really screw with us because I wasn't I wasn't trying to do the instructor. I wasn't I I wanted to pass that my once a year thing just to get done. I, I think we had to 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 bob up and down. It was either like three minutes or five minutes or something like that. But basically, all we did, you had our hands tied and we just went up and down. And up, and they weren't screwing with this. They didn't try to. They didn't do anything. It was just like, can you mentally understand that it's a? And I found out I failed the first time, one time, passed the second time. But it, it's it's a rhythm, basically. What I figured out. I don't. You can be you can have some more insight. But to me, is if you got into a decent rhythm and blowing your air out coming down and and, and all of that, that you can you could get into a decent rhythm. And at that point, it's just. You've got to push hard enough to get up. If you slip on the bottom and don't push hard enough, that's where um, I, I saw a lot of guys freak. The fr- they, they just freaked out because they, they couldn't get all the way up. Right. Yeah, I think all of it came down to not freaking out, right? You know yeah. that they're going to be there. They're yeah. not going to let you die. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? No. Ultimately, yeah, they're there want to get you, you to get through this. They want you to pass. They want you to exactly. get through this. Yeah, exactly. So they might haze you a little bit. They might talk yeah. crap to you and stuff like that. But they want you to pass. So yeah. even if you mess up, it, it, you know, you learn it now even more, right? As you know, as we gain experience in life, focus on what you're supposed to do. Focus on what you're taught. Right. Yeah. All of that training should be coming back. Right. You can't take a deep breath, obviously, underwater, yeah. but calm, calm yourself down. Right. What were you taught? Boom. Step through it. You know, <laughs> the, the weirdest thing for me was, you know, I guess when you're when you're down there, like I said, I was comfortable in water before I joined the military, but I wasn't a swimmer by any means. Like, you know, I, you know, the old combat, you know, I don't know what you call it, but it was like the side stroke, I guess is what it was. You kick the legs and you kind of, it's yeah. not really a breast stroke. It was kind of what, it was like a was side just, stroke. It was, yeah, it was a side stroke, basically. And I, I guess when I was in, there was also, they taught you if, you know, you were in the water and they, they yep. teach you how to clear fire, you know, fuel fire. So yep. that was part um, of it. I, I think a lot of it is just people don't realize, like, how long that even someone who's not used to it, you can hold your breath. If you're, if you're comfortable, if you're calm, if you're under control, you can hold your breath a lot longer than you think you can. Um, and I think that that's the whole thing is if you're staying under control, staying calm, that was the biggest thing. I just remember going through it and all the instructors used to say, look, just stop, stop thinking just relax like you've got to be under control if you're under control and you're relaxed and calm you can do this and that was helping me is just okay relax relax and it is it's not saying it was easy it was it was hard as hell at least for me it was but them kept telling me it was just relax and calm down like you're gonna get through this you just have to you know this is all a mental game you know yes you're underwater but it's not physical at this point it's all mental and once you get under that the fact that you said they're not going to kill me. 
And that was my whole attitude during all the schools and all the training that I went to. They're not going to kill me. Like they want to make me a better person. They want to, they, they want to train me. So they're not going to kill me. And if I just keep my head right, then I can get through this. And then that's kind of how I went through it and all that. And I'm sure it's a little bit different as an instructor because now you're teaching people like me how to calm down. You had to worry about not just you, but you had to worry about 10, 15, 20 guys staying under control. And that's pretty stressful as well. Yeah, that was the, the squadron had to get, you know, swim call. Yeah. Right. So got to do what you got to do. So that's yep. right. One of one of the things that I do remember constantly telling them, if you know, don't freak out, yeah. tuck your chin, try to yep. tuck your chin and lean forward because your lungs will help float you. <laughs> so we all have funny stories. We all have uh, things that we happen to us that uh, will live with us, and and that's what the great part of uh, I think the the veteran community is the stories. Um, what's the craziest slash funniest story that happened when you were in that you sit there and that you still think about every now and then, or when you guys get together, you talk about? Do you remember when this happened? Is there that one crazy or funny story that you can uh, that you can talk about um, that um, that you had? Uh, wow. I- I'm sure there were plenty of them. Plenty, yeah. There's plenty yeah. of stories that I can't talk about. <laughs> right. No, I understand. Um, and, and I people think, don't but, understand this, not because they're classified. You just really can't talk about some of this stuff. It's it's exactly. it's not good. <laughs> yeah, you're sworn to secrecy with your buds, right? That's so, right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I, I would say getting while I was working on my rescue diver certification, we're out at uh, Shaw's Cove up uh, in San Clemente area in California. Um, my instructor asked me, Hey, come be a second set of eyes, you know, just so you can handle, you know, learn how to handle students in case they freak out. So I'm just basically there as an extra set of eyes. And he says, I want you to keep an eye on this lieutenant. He's trying to fight his fears. All right. So he goes constantly hover right by him. Got it. It was a night dive for an advanced open water certification. So instructor goes out. Well, we all go out. I keep an eye on the uh, the lieutenant, and we get to an area where we get all we all get in a circle. We do the bioluminescence thing, you know, after turning off the flashlight and everything. Right? The instructor skips off, comes back with a little octopus, and he starts bouncing it around inside that circle. Mm. And this octopus comes at the lieutenant. You know, get (laughs) dive mask is about that big, right? Yeah. But I could literally see the whites of his eyes on the side. (laughs) (laughs) Of Uh, all the times, I, I mean, I feel bad for the guy afterwards, right? But 
And what does he do? He's supposed to be going for advanced open water, rips his mask off, starts to shoot up. I'm out. <laughs> That's literally what he did. So, how, how, how deep was he? We were probably like about 35 feet. So he was deep enough that shooting up, shooting up um, could have been dangerous for him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So okay. I, I can say I helped. So he goes shooting up. All I did was <laughs> just grab. By then, my, you know, my instructor had grabbed the uh, mask, cleared the octopus away from it, pulled him down, gave him his mask. But just the the, the whites of his eyes on the sides of, on the sides mm. of that mask, I I had to contain myself because I'm there to help, right? So, but thinking about it afterwards, me, the instructor, his wife, it was, it, yeah, we were definitely, it, it was funny for us. Obviously, it wasn't funny for the lieutenant. It was, yeah. you know, kudos for trying to conquer your fears, right? Um, I don't know if he should have been going for advanced open water when he is deathly afraid of water. And, I'm not sure why. Yeah. I didn't know there were octopus in out there. Are you about the are you were you out there by like San Clemente Island and, that, and over there where the oh, seals no. do their stuff? No, I'm sorry. So uh San Clemente is just north of Camp Pendleton. Oh the town of San Clemente. Oh okay. Yeah. Right, it's right, right. A half an hour Not north of Pendleton. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know there were octopus out there either. I had no idea. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I never heard that. Huh. How big was that, that was, thing? Once it was spread out, probably hand size. Wow. Wow. I had no idea. Interesting. I, I don't understand. I, I, to me, it was interesting because it felt like he, I, I don't know if he planted it, right? Because he said, you know, he did the bioluminescence thing. And yeah. he said, well, the, the assistant instructor did the bioluminescence thing. So he was probably away for maybe at the most five minutes. So it so he so he was, did. He was, he was doing it yeah. yeah. So yep. Interesting. It, that, that was definitely interesting. It was something that mm-hmm. we talked talked about. The lieutenant got a good chuckle out of it. He was a good sport. <laughs> later, I'm sure. Later. Yeah. Plus, yeah, later. You know, <laughs> after the dive, we all came out sitting back having a beer, talking about it. And he's like, uh, Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I just freaked out. I wasn't I know I wasn't supposed to. Thanks for grabbing, you know, thanks for keeping me safe. It's just yeah, the rest of us, especially when I said I could literally see the whites of his eyes around the octopus, right? Yep. It, he yep. his eyeballs. That's hilarious. Oh my god. Yeah. That's great. We had man, yeah, that would have been that would have been funny to see. Once again, I didn't even know the octopus there. Um so that's interesting. Interesting, interesting. Guys, we want to thank you so much for listening to the Jarhead Podcast. This is a quick reminder to all of our brothers and sisters out there that are in that hole, in that darkness, trying to find that light. 
call me, text me, email me 24-7. I can't give you medical advice, but I could probably be a pretty good ear to listen to anything. Maybe help you talk you through some stuff. If you are looking for some medical advice and medical attention, remember two things. One, you are not alone in this fight. You have a lot of brothers out here that are willing and able to help you in any way. And two, the world is a much better place with you in it. So please, utilize the Veteran Crisis Hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Once again, 1-800-273-8255. Or you can simply dial 988 on your cell phone. Do not let the darkness overcome you. There is light. Fight through. We're here to help. Uh, so you go through the school and all of that. Um, you do your time. And it's town, and now it's time to make that decision. Stay in, get out, all of that. You transition out. Um, for the guys that are thinking about transitioning or trying to make that decision or getting ready to transition, um, I remember when I transitioned out, they didn't have hardly anything for us. I mean, as far as what they have now, uh, kind of what was your process when you transitioned? Did you, did you kind of knew what you wanted to do when you got out? Did you have a job set up or what was, what was your status when you got out? You know, were you having to go find something or what? I had to go find something. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was out of 29 Palms, went out to Virginia and, was able to land a role as a microcomputer specialist, um, basically helping everybody in the office with their computer problems. Because I back, you know, learning about computers and stuff like that, we tinkered around with, uh, there were some laptops, but desktop systems. So, you know, I knew how to get around it. So landed a job out there. Um, yeah, I had to go, had to go and, uh, hunt for a job after getting out back then, like you were saying, yeah. Oh, they hook you up with maybe a veterans thing where they, uh, there, there wasn't a lot for, for us from what I'm hearing now. One or two days of seminars. I mean, I can't remember one one or two days of seminars and that was, with your VA benefits, if you had any, any disability, if you had any, I mean, it was like, there was really nothing for me or for any of us when we got out, it was to like, Hey, you can go and, and, and do this. And they didn't work on building resumes. They didn't do any of that stuff. You were kind of like on right. your own or like, Hey, thanks for doing your time. Uh, next. And I was like, right. you know, when I got out, actually the last six months of my time, man, was, was pretty bad. We, we had a little change in leadership in our platoon. Um, it was just unfortunate. Once again, I'll say this. Um, I was a little bitch for the last six months because I let um, a staff NCO who was kind of after about three or four of us. I don't know. He just didn't like us, but I allowed him to affect me. And so when I got out, um, man, I tell you what, I had a really bad taste of the Marine Corps um, in my mouth until the towers dropped. It took me several years to, to get over that and, and, and then realized, you know, I was kind of proud of what I did and, and, um, and all that. Did you, when you got out, were you scared or, or did you have ill feelings towards the Marine Corps or were you just ready to move on to the next chapter in your life? I was ready to move on. Um, yeah. I had originally wanted to stay in, but mm-hmm. I was actually seeing a lot of young, you know, 
young Marines coming in, you know, literally boots coming in just out of MOS school, um, telling me that, oh, you're just a corporal. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh-huh. What? Yeah. Yeah. So there was definitely a change. Um, but so it was, it was time to move on. Right. So it's like no yeah. ill feelings. It was just like, hey, things change. I'm done. I appreciate the five years. Got to go. We, 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 so I'd tell you, this was like 97. Late 96, early 97. I don't know if you, you were out by then, but I don't know if you ever heard of them. When they started uh, freezing promotions, this was during the Clinton era, and they were trying to downsize um, the footprint of the Marine Corps and all of that. So they were freezing promotions to kind of drive people out. Um, that didn't help when you're, when you're freezing promotions. Like I didn't pick up like corporal until about a year after I should have, because they finally opened it back up. And I was like, you know, like I was at E3 forever because I was like, man, I, I knew I should have been a corporal, but there were no more corporal slots. Right. And it's yeah, like, I wow, this is crazy. <laughs> it, it was terrible. It was well, terrible. They had the freezes for when I was in, it was just the cutting scores were just high. Yeah. Right? It, yeah. it was, yeah. it was definitely different. Right. So, and yeah, I, but I do hear what you're saying. Um, leadership way up there. It's what it they is. Think they need it, right? So. It is what it is. So you transition, you, you get a job and all of that, and 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 we move down to um, now. You're able to probably help other people that have been there, done that, you know, to help them with their transitions and all that. Um, one of the things that I talk about with a lot of people out there don't understand is I, I hear from a lot of guys that are either getting ready to get out or, or just had gotten out and they're having difficulties finding something that they would enjoy. They think, well, I've got to be a cop or I got to be a contractor. Or I got to do, you know, security work or a firearms instructor, all great jobs, but they think that there's only several things. And I said, guys, what you don't understand is, and I'm going to say all veterans, but especially I can speak for a Marine Corps. Um, I said, guys, you have certain traits and capabilities that no one else has. I said, you're worried about not having a four-year degree. I said, your degree is your DD-214. That's That proves just as much to any employer that you're able to finish tasks, that you're responsible, that you can handle it. I said, a, a college diploma, I said, don't feel like you can't get a job against a 22-year-old that's got a college diploma, and you're a 22-year-old guy that spent four years in the Marine Corps. I said, you understand and value time management. You're going to be extremely responsible. You're going to put mission first. You're going to respect time. I said, there's a lot of things that you have traits that you're going to have that you don't even realize they're going to be able to set you up. Um, when you, when you start talking to people that might have issues or, or hiring people or whatever, uh, whether they're Marine Corps or not, but veterans in general, um, what are, have, do you have any issues or do you have, have you seen people that have problems not understanding what they actually bring to the table? Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the guys that works that's on my team now, he was in the Marine Corps. Uh, got out and he's working uh, for the company and I will either say that he is locked on, right? But I don't think he understood the spectrum of where he was able to go within the company, yeah. right? Um, 
he's on my team now. So I'm like, Hey, do your thing. I, you can go and screw up. If you're not screwing up, that means, you know, if you if you don't fail at something, that means you're not pushing it. That's right. Right. That's right. I have no problems with you failing as long as you learn from it. Mm-hmm. You can do it once or twice. I'm okay with that. But, and the guys, one of the reasons I really liked him was, hey, his, it, just like you were saying, accomplishing a mission. He's mm-hmm. willing to move mountains to accomplish a mission. He's accountable for what he's working on. Yep. Right. You, I, when I was doing it, even though we were doing all of the crap duties, right. Right. You know, polishing the floors, right. It, but do a good job. With be, it. Yeah. You do a good job with it. Cause like, look at it now. This is the shiniest hallway you will see. Right. Yep. It sucked at the time, but take pride in your work, be accountable for your work. Absolutely. You know, you take that away from four or five years in. If you've been in for even longer, now you have the leadership skills. Yep. That you, you know. Absolutely. And if you were ever like you, yeah, absolutely. If if you've ever been an NCO or you've been a, a team leader, not even a squad leader, but even a team leader, uh, you understand that you have other individuals that are responsible for the decisions, and you're responsible for them by the decisions you make and confidence. Um, that's a huge thing. It's people don't understand. People think that Marines are extremely arrogant and we are, but we're also, that's how they want us. They want us, they want us extremely confident in what we can do. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are missing that they're not always confident with their decision-making processes. It's like, look, do your due diligence, figure out the best way to do it. But once you make that decision, you're all in on that decision and, and be confident because if you're not confident in the decision, the people underneath you are not going to be confident in your decision either. So I think that's a lot of it also is, is having confidence that, you know, I, I've done what I'm supposed to do. This is the right play, the right move, the right decision. Let's move forward. And then people will follow, you know? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Having that confidence, like you're saying, is huge. Confidence is a big piece um know know your work right that mm. is know what you're worth as as well right you're not brought mm. in because oh you have the i think you can do it in the interview come in with confidence right mm. change uh, quite a bit of the verbiage right don't use the marine corps jargons right right Translate that to civilian speak. Yep. Prepare. Prepare for where you're going to go, what you want to do. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's huge because that's one thing across all branches, uh, no matter what branch you served in, um, self-pride is always a thing. Uh, understanding your capabilities being truthful with yourself about what your capabilities are. It's okay that you can't do everything. Uh, we're not we're expecting you to be a Superman, although we always think we are. Um, but I think that that's something that we learn the hard way 
unfortunately, I'll call it the hard way, but we learn from that. And I think kids coming out of college, the biggest fail they had is they might not have, you know, passed one of their, their classes or whatever. Uh, and I think this is where a lot of veterans don't understand. Even a 22, 23-year-old veteran spent four or five years and, and came out, they don't understand the life lessons and experiences that they had in those four years versus going to college for four years. And I think that's something that people need to realize you did a lot of things in your time that will help you set up for the, for the future and for, for success that other kids that are your same age and went to university may not have the real world experience is just as important as, is the, uh, the books. So um, there's a lot of that. The Recon and Sniper Foundation was founded in 2015 by a group of Recon Marines, Scout Snipers, and Navy Sarks. The Foundation's mission is twofold, emergency assistance and veteran community engagement. We assist current service members and veterans from all branches of the armed forces. Assistance can be in the form of financial help, peer counseling, mental health treatment, or any other feasible and viable form of aid. Emergency requests are submitted via the Recon and Sniper Foundation website and assessed by experience case managers who ensure the request for assistance is legitimate. Our team fully considers the interests of the veteran and the stewardship of our donors' gifts. The Recon and Sniper Foundation also supports veterans through Team RSF, our competitive sport subsidiary. Through Team RSF, veterans and service members are provided a network of support to pursue competitive sports outlets in areas such as USPSA, Precision Rifle, Endurance Sports, Cowboy Sports, and many more. These men and women compete around the country representing the Recon and Sniper Foundation and support the cause. If you have any questions or want to donate or become part of Team RSF, see the website reconsniperfoundation.org. You got involved with the Recon and Sniper Foundation, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, if you can, talk about when it found, first of all, all information uh, for Recon and Sniper Foundation and TMRSF are going to be in the description. Um, so check those links out as well. But kind of give a little background about the Recon and Sniper Foundation, its mission, kind of when it started, and how you got first start got involved with them. Yep. So RSF, Recon and Sniper Foundation, was founded back in 2015 uh, with a group of Recon, Sniper guys, and Navy Sarks, right? Uh, twofold mission, emergency assistance, as well as veteran community engagement. I've been with Team RSF, which is basically a subsidiary of Recon Sniper Foundation, where to, I guess, the get out there and do fun stuff together part, right? Raising money, helping vets, not just vets, active duty guys, as well as their respective families. Right. We. What what I've been with Team RSF for two little over two years and uh, started. I, I was looking into getting I was looking at getting into something that allows for me to give back. Well, what I found was that I had a lot of taking. I was I got out of USPSA got into uh, precision rifles and I was fortunate enough where one of the guys from RSF is a uh, 
PRS shooter and he took me under his wings and he's a friend, a coach and a mentor. So yep. I'm still bouncing ideas off of him with, you know, different shooting positions, you know, reloading and stuff. So yeah. I got a lot out of it. So right now I'm trying to give it back as well, right? To newer guys. That's that's uh new team RSF guys, trying to guide them through, uh try to break get them to be involved with RSF. That's where I'm at. That's where I am at. Um I, I've been um supporting RSF for a while for uh, since twenty nineteen, I guess. Um the Marine Party at Shot Show, they they sponsored it and and all that. So I kind of started talking to the RSF guys. Uh, this was 2019 and um, had a blast and and all that. I did IDPA for a while and I haven't done it in a few years and I I kind of got tired of IDPA because of all the the bullshit rules and all that. It's like okay, some I, I love IDPA for a lot of things, but I hate it for a lot of other reasons. Stop doing it for a while. Last year, I decided, you know, I've always wanted to kind of get into the long range precision. Um, and so that's where I was last November. I, I bought the Bergara rifle and I, I, I started putting a scope on there. I started going out to the range, start shooting and had a blast. Went to my first uh, match in November, went to my second match in December. Um, right before I saw you in January out in Vegas. Um, I, so I'd done two and I, and I loved them. I loved them. And then all of a sudden, see, I don't reload. I don't reload as I don't have time, nor do I have another time for another hobby because I understand that reloading can get extremely addictive um, and I don't have another time for an addicting hobby. But I, I think I'm going to because I haven't been able to shoot a whole lot this year because I haven't been able to find uh, six, five horny match ammo. And if I can find it, we're talking like four dollars per round. And most right. of these matches are about 90 to 100 rounds per match. Um, that's a lot of money for a few hour match. So, uh, I'm hoping that prices come down or am I going to have to start reloading, but that's where I'm at. And I would, uh, you know, so, so someone like me who is been doing competition shooting in different disciplines for a while, but is looking for something and maybe TMR, team RSF is that, that, that organization or that team or that, that, that mission. Um, how does someone get involved with team RSF that might be interested? Uh, it's really going to recon and sniper, uh, recon sniper foundation.org. And there's a teams link. Yep. Go to that and you can sign up. It's, it is fill in all the information. Right. And we vet you. And it's not like, Oh, let's see what his DD 214 is about. Let's go through his, you know, uh, service record book or anything. No. What are you doing? What are you interested in? Right. Because yep. we act, uh, Team RSF has uh, endurance team, which includes Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Right. Oh, wow. Um, we have a flight team and the team captain is out here and well, out in Arizona. Um, they just had a boogie out in Arizona. At, uh, I, w- I want to say the Phoenix area to raise money. So there are some, you know, I want to say a couple of pretty active uh, 2A organizations and veteran uh, companies that support the veterans. They were definitely out there in droves, raised some good money. Um, 
we have PRS, USPSA. Um, our team captain for USPSA is down in uh, uh, Yuma. So okay. we got recently a new guy that joined us for PRS, and he's out in Idaho. Okay. And he wants to do an Arctic warfare match in, really? he said November, right? And they're like, yeah, that's pretty it's cold out there, I guess. I, I, I don't think I'll be able to travel. So we have yeah. precision rifle, active, uh, I'm sorry, precision, uh, the action shooting. Mm-hmm. We have flight. We have uh, endurance. Um, we got a new guy in. He wants to bring scuba in as a team. Oh, really? So he's starting to do that. So we're bringing in guys that are uh, Green Berets, right? And we have a uh, team member who is going to be. So you don't have to be a Marine. Set. No, you don't. It started off being, oh, recon sniper, right? Right. That kind of put. A little that's bit a, of that's uh, a small number. That's a small number. A, yeah, that is a small number. So they it has been opened up. You and it you don't have to be active duty, you don't have to be veteran. You can be, you know, any branch active or a vet. Nice. Um nice. we have a team member who's going to be a MESEP. I shouldn't say MESEP, which is the enlisted commissioning program. She just mm-hmm. got, she got accepted. So we're, you know, we used to call them Mustangs. I think they call them, I don't, they call them Mustangs back when I was in. I don't know what they call them back then, but uh, they would call them Mustangs. Mustangs we were well. first, yep. first, enlisted, first enlisted and then became an officer after that. Right. I think it would be a, uh, maybe it'd be a sergeant, I want to say, E5 to be in that program. I don't remember. I know you had to at least be an NCO. Yeah, I, th- I want to say you have to be an, an NCO, right? Yeah, that's okay. the MESEP. I don't know what it is for the Air Force. This is yeah. the uh, – and we're super stoked for her. Um, nice. It's awesome. We were at a function. There's a recon challenge once a year. That's oh, the recon challenge. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah. Um, couple of the – Team RSF guys that were endurance guys was actually part of it. We were out there. There's four of us that were out there cheering them on as they were crossing the finish line. It looked pretty brutal. You know, I've I've only seen videos of it and and all of that. I understand that that is a brutal, brutal time. So, um, yeah. God bless those guys that do that. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think. I, I know at 47 years old with a shot back and shot knees, there's no way I could. But I'd love to think that I could. But I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I know for a fact. They say you can train up for it, dude. I, guess, I think man. you can do yeah. it. I think you should try it out. <laughs> Tell me what it's like. <laughs> yeah, you, if you do it, I'll do it, bro. How about that? <laughs> I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a challenge that I'll have to think about a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. 47, I'm like, I'm I'm hit, well, it's not 55, so knees, ankles, jack, back. But, hey, those are excuses, right? Well, let's see. uh, Let's see. 
maybe you and I should talk offline about that. <laughs> yeah, we can. We'll definitely do that. Um, no, and I love the fact that there's there's something. Um, the one other thing I, that I like about most vets is they're pretty competitive. Uh, you have to be. You have to be competitive uh, to some extent. And I think that whether it's competition shooting or scuba or whatever, and, and and you guys are offering different teams, and it sounds like those teams are expanding into different and new teams concepts and all of that. There might be something out there for everyone that um, will give someone a place to go and, and have a mentor, have something to do as a team. Uh, compete a little bit in whatever discipline it is. More importantly, you're able to raise money to give back to guys as well. So I, I think that that's a, an awesome thing. Um, when you guys decide to do a, a team event, like I'm in Arkansas, like I'm if if, if I and I've, I've really thought I know you you hit me up in January about joining Team RSF, and honestly, I would have if I had been shooting. Uh, I haven't been shooting. I hadn't shot a match since last December. I hope to get back in this winter time. And if I do, then I, I definitely will. But once you guys have that, let's say it's a PRS team or whatever, um, being in Arkansas, and I, I'm assuming that most of the guys are probably out out west and all of that. Yeah, it's it's going to be probably hard to meet up. Do y'all do a one a year once a year meetup or how does that happen? That's one of the challenges. We're so geographically spread out, right? Mm-hmm. For me, there's a, there's only a couple of RSF guys out here in SoCal area. Okay. And they're and they're actually uh, they're sniper. They're I think they call themselves pigs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, and they'll come out and shoot once in a while. Um, we have another RSF team member. She's in. She's uh, in the Navy and she's into the fitness. Uh, aspect of things right so that's cool as well we tried to pull people together once in a while to do an event i will say that i am putting up uh i'm trying to put together an event for the next for the first quarter probably closer to um march is when i'm going to do a uh uspsa match out here in socal Right. Awesome. And it's it is going to be a one day match with all proceeds going to RSF. And I'm trying it. to bring in. Yeah, I'm trying to bring in uh, some sponsors. Right. So working on that, there's guys that will meet up out in North Carolina, South Carolina. There's guys that is in Texas that will go and shoot together. Um, yeah. It's really everywhere. It you might not be able to shoot with a team member right away, but right. I think you know if when you step into step to a range, ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time you're gonna find somebody there that is a that. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, build cool your own thing. team. You can yeah, build your own true. team RSF. Right see there. if they can bring them in. Absolutely, I never thought about that. So I might be able to. If, if, if I might be able to create our own little four to six man team of RSF in Arkansas and we right. could go, I, I never even thought about it. That's that. Now that's an interesting concept. Um, that's really cool. I like that idea. Isn't that spreading the gospel of RSF and everything else, much less getting these right. guys involved in a team concept as well. So team RSF really is for, for what I've seen, 
is getting getting the active duty guys out of the barracks instead yeah. of playing on Xbox and stuff like that. Hone your skills, right? They talk, mm-hmm. you know, the Marine Corps talks about, you know, the lethality of a, a Marine, right? Hone mm-hmm. your skills, you know, Absolutely. come out and, and get better at what you at your craft, right? Yep. You know, and it can be a lot of fun. Um, we have a active duty Marine that is Team RS as part of Team RSF. He's on the Marine Corps shooting team. Yep. Right. Love it. Good Love guy. It. Yep. So he's doing three gun stuff. You know, we had a three gun team, but that's kind of like phased out a little bit. Sure. Um, I was able to go out to Yuma. It's like a three hour drive to, or uh, out in Phoenix to, to do a shoot with a couple of uh, team members as well. Close enough. How often do we do it? I rather just, you know, I rather shoot in a certain area, right? Sure. I'm not, yeah. you know, younger guys. Yeah. You guys can drive maybe six hours, right. And yeah. meet up with somebody at a match. Right. Right. The whole team RSF concept is getting people out into that community, active duty guys, veterans. Hey, go talk to somebody. Hey, um, yep. This is part of who we are. All I want to do is to make sure you know that we're always beside you. We do as team members, we're on various social medias. We do, you know, checks. We do check-ins with everybody, right? We talk smack on, you know, a certain board, right? No, but we try to have fun. We try to have fun. That's what we do anyways, you know? That's what we do anyways. Yeah. Like two, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, this past February, we had a guy run a two gun match out in Tampa area. And two, there's two, three guys that had been out for six years and didn't have, had not had any engagements with the military. Oh, Boom, wow. They get in, the camaraderie is there. They like it. They're part of Team RSF. So, it's building that camaraderie. So you never know when somebody, you know, just talking to anybody at yeah. the range, right? You never know when something could be, they, they could be down that day, right? Yeah. Hey, you know, older Marine, right? For me, it's just like, these are the guys that, you know, for me, it's the guys that were in Vietnam or something. Absolutely. Right? Yep. They're, Absolutely. Sit down, listen, talk to them. It, it is about building that veteran community, bringing in the active duty guys, right? Pulling them out of the barracks or whatever, giving them something that, and talking, sharing possibilities. Yeah, they, they may not know that there, there are a lot of different things that they can do um, and, and experiencing and, and, and basically letting them talk to the vets that have been there, done that, uh, mm-hmm. can help them. As Like you said, there might be guys that are kind of at that 12-year mark that they're not sure if they want to go to 20, but they don't know what there is if I get out and all that. They might be some of these guys that really help their lives, um, their plans, and say, hey, you can do this, you can do that, or you should, you know what, bro, you should stay in or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of guidance and mentorship probably for these guys as well. 
Yeah, it's just perspectives, right? Gaining perspectives from people who's like you said, been there. You know, yep. you can you have all walks, you know, guys from all branches, right? Different MOS. Yeah. And they you know, there's guys that that's gotten out that they're uh boiler makers, right? I got out, you know, I'm in the software the IT industry. Right. Yeah. I'm a golf pro at this point in my life. You know, what the hell? You know, I that I need to become a golf pro. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. Uh, I promise you. But, you know, I, I didn't start playing golf till I was 21 in the Marine Corps of all right. things. So, the, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, you, you know, you just it is what it is. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are out there for people. Um, for people that might be interested in, in joining Team RSF, I know you said go to reconsniperfoundation.org. Um, and I've been there, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking this as if I, like I didn't know already what it was. But for someone out there that hasn't been there before, there you go to the team and you can do apply or I think it's apply for Team RSF or something. For team. So apply what are they going to need to do or what are they going to need to have for prerequisites um, to send in to you guys to get approved or not? It's fill out all the information. If you're active duty, you know, show us proof that you're active duty, right? Uh, DD-214, you know, block out all the, your social, right? Your sure. address, we don't need that, right? Um, it's a, a photo of your DD-214, and we ask for two references, Okay, so what if okay shooting references or just personal references? Personal reference. We just okay. want to reach gotcha. out to them to say, hey, how is this person? How sure. is Joe Schmuckatelli? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I get you. Um and at that point, um at that point, let's say you're approved and you're now part of Team RSF. Um what all, what all, what's the next step of, of being part of Team RSF? Do you, is there certain things you have to do or what, what's kind of, is there a due structure? What, what is all that about? So there, right now it's uh, $25 a year. That's it? Yep. Oh, wow. And uh, you get a coin, you get a water bottle and a always, always beside you t shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, you are given access to Discord, and okay. that's where we chat back and forth. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, from there, yes, there's definitely documents that will tell you, hey, you know what? If you want just to hang out, you know, meet other people, whether it's on Discord or if you get to that point where, hey, you know that somebody is in, you know, Arkansas. Right. Yep. There's four or five guys out there. Hey, close enough. Hey, let's go shoot a match together. Right. Absolutely. Go do that. Uh, or we share on uh, Instagram as well as well as uh, Facebook. Um, really, Team RSF tries to pontificate for RSF. We want to right. get visibility for Recon Sniper Foundation so we can have the donations coming in so we can help. Right. You know, we didn't get into th- this part. That's the whole point is to help 
active duty and, and veterans, you know, that's the whole point of the mission of, of, of RSF. Yeah. Right. Having the social media presence will help, you know, guide them, to, you know, towards that. Right. We could have donors going in there looking at, hey, OK, yep, I can go do I can donate. You know, the we have we, we raised a ton of money for the Kabul Warriors, the Fallen Warriors. Oh, really? That's right? awesome. Yep. Um, there was a sergeant that had a daughter who has a rare genetic disease. Boom. We try to help them out by flying, providing uh, a place for them to stay closer to, uh, I think they were two or three states away to where Mm. the hospital is where the daughter needed to be. So we try to provide some financial assistance battle buddy that passes away and you don't have enough funds to get to, the funeral. We definitely try to help. Right. Oh, no, that's awesome. You know, awesome. these are, we have case managers is reaching out on RSF team RSF guys. We want to hear from, we want to interact with veterans and active duty members and, and just make sure that group is good. Right. Everybody's Absolutely. like, Hey, let's talk. Right. What are you doing now? You know, we have to give them time to acclimate obviously to the group. And once they start opening out, we start talking smack to each other. And if nothing else, they know that they have somebody to go talk to. And and for some people, that's the most important thing. That is the thing. Um, I think that, you know, I'm a, uh, I put this, I'm big in the promotion and the advocacy of, of trying to eliminate, veteran suicide um it's you know some people say it's 22 days more like 17 a day but still 17 too many uh and and from you know what's interesting is i I, i've had people call me at weird hours and 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 i'm blessed to have been able to help a couple of people to have just called that have seen my podcast uh or videos or whatever and, and and call which is great uh a lot of times they just they're alone they feel like there's no one there and no one understands them and how on earth can anyone understand what I'm going through? And it's like, yo, like you got a whole lot of people that have been, been there, done that, that have been there that understand what you're talking. You can talk a certain way with us. You're not going to offend us. You're going to, um, whatever that, whatever that is. And I think a lot of times just having someone there and knowing they're not alone, and having that trust that I can go to these guys and speak my mind and say stuff that I can't say to other people in my life. And they got this. They understand. They'll help me. That, that's a big, that's a pretty powerful tool to have in your life. Yep. That's where that's what we want to be able to get out there. Right. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, are always beside you shirt. Right. Yep. Always beside you. They come talk to me. You know, within that group, my number's out there. If they need anything, call me. I'll do what right. I can to help. You know, we'll tap other resources, right? Sure. We'll, we're going to sit back and try to figure it out or just listen. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes that's as important as anything else is just 
listening to someone and let them get off their chest what they need to get off their chest and, and no judgments at all. Um, I love the fact and what people also understand is, is the veteran communities all entwined. Yes. Uh, the mission of recon sniper foundation is great, but like you said, if there's something that, that this foundation can't really do to help, well, we might know six or seven other foundations that are friends of ours that are all veteran foundations say, that's not kind of what we do, but I know a guy that does it for over here. And that's the, the, the coconut telegraph, if you will, that's a cool thing about having a community. And it's not just a, a couple of foundations. It's a community that a lot of people don't realize is out there. We have our own, you know, underground community, if you want to call it that. Yep, exactly. All right, so we're going up about an hour and a half, and, and I know Todd, uh, you're in the West Coast, so it's not. It's probably getting dark. It's dark here. Um, it is what it is. It's that time of year. I love it. Um, real quick, I want to give you a few minutes to talk about uh, social media if you want, whether it's yours or um, Recon Sniper Foundation or Team RSF. Where are so I'll have all the links in the description, guys, um, but. Give, give us some ideas of what's what maybe events are coming up. Uh, where can people find you or or RSF online? And um, like I said, if someone's willing to, to think about joining, like I am, like I, I would have joined in January when you hit me up on it. Have had I been shooting matches? I feel I was talking to someone. Why didn't you ever join? I was like, because I haven't shot a match since last December. And you I feel weird about joining. I, I I know, but in my mind. It's like I, I don't want to be part of something if I can't give something to th- that, you know, and it is what it is. This has been a crazy year. I think next year is going to be a great year, but uh, it's just been a weird year with ammo prices or even availability. Um, yeah. It's just been a weird year and I don't reload. So I'm, I'm really up to um, I, I need to start reloading. It sounds like I've got a buddy that's got a press and all that. I might just go get the components. And, and, and use his instead of buying the presses and all of that. But that's something that I might have to do because it's, it's hard to find match quality uh, ammo for a decent price right now. Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, there's definitely a lot of guys that are smaller guys that are actually putting out decent ammo, right? Yeah. It may, you may consider instead of shooting your uh, PRS is, you know, spin on a two, two, three barrel, right? Yeah. You can still get out there, you know, you can still reach to a certain distance and still have fun. Well, more importantly, you can still compete in PRS, just maybe in the tactical division instead of whatever division you're going to do it in, you know? Yeah. Or build a, build a, you know, uh, Two two three gas gun to for like with oh, a twenty two yeah. inch. There you, I you love know, that. something like that. That could be fun. Yeah. Lots of options out there. Lots of options out there. Yeah. So where can people find uh Recon Number Foundation? I don't know if you want to give out your personal uh social media stuff. That's on you or Instagram. I know you're on Instagram and all of that. Uh but at least where we people can find uh the Recon Sniper Foundation for sure. So reconsniperfoundation.org, right? We talked about that a little bit ago. Um, team, you can reach me at uh, Team RSF at reconsniperfoundation.org, right? That, that's another piece. Um, Is that, so if they put Team RSF, that's going to go to you? Yep. 
That's so right email. now you're kind of heading up. You're kind of heading up the team RSF stuff. Um, I know you were in January. Wanted, you were you were helping out for someone, weren't you, or something like that? As far I, as the application doing, process. Yeah, I I I own the application aspect of it. I am actually oh, okay. stepping in to help uh, the team manager. He's busy, okay. so I'm basically trying to fill his shoes right now. So trying to run the team RSF aspect of it to the best of my ability. So um, a, like I mentioned, there's a Arctic warfare in um, coming up. I want to, I'm putting together a match in uh, the, fr- towards the end of the first quarter next year. Um, there's, we're looking at putting together a, Boogie, which is basically a uh, skydiving little uh, event. Uh, I want to say that's out in uh, either Tucson or out in Phoenix again. But that's another piece that's coming up. We got got, uh, the scuba diving guy out there in Florida. He's willing to get you certified. All you have to do is just pay for the Paddy's cost. He's not sure. going to charge you anything more. So, really? you know, yeah, you know, that's awesome. All of the guys that we have, they're they're ready to give. Man, I need to get back in the and I live in Arkansas, so I don't get to the ocean a whole lot. Um, got certified, obviously, uh, years and years ago, and I need I need to get back. I think the scuba thing could be awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I really did love it. Uh, like I said, we went scuba diving a few times in Okinawa, a lot of snorkeling in Okinawa, but um, I, I need to get back and, and, and get my, like I said, I had it lapse 20 some odd years ago, 25 years ago, whatever. So um, I need to get back. That would be fun. That would be a really cool thing to do. It, you know, it may be something to do when it's like freezing cold out in Arkansas. Right. Exactly. You can, you know, take a little a weekend vacation if you, you know, get hooked up with the guy out there. There, yeah, there's guys mm-hmm. out in uh, North Carolina. I don't know if you ever want to go out into that area. Uh, I've got, I've got a buddy of mine um, who's a, who's an old recon guy uh, in North Carolina. So I, I no. I'll go out to uh, South Carolina. Um. In April, I think, is when we're planning on doing that for the gathering, and he'll come down. Uh, he lives in uh, the Charlotte area, somewhere around there. Yeah, interesting. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people, like I said, I, I, I've uh, enjoyed um, what the RSF brings. Like I said, I, I was kind of first about, 20, I think it was 2019 or 2018, I can't remember. <clears throat> um, you guys... They they've been doing for a couple of years. They did they they sponsored the Marine Party, the quote unquote Marine, the unofficial Marine Party at Shot Show over at the Leatherneck Club. The Leatherneck Club, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what we call the Marine Party. I don't, it doesn't have an official name, but it's the Wednesday of of Shot over at the Leatherneck Club, and there's a lot of people there. And I remember, I think it was 2018 or 2019, the first time I was like, oh, I didn't know that there was this thing, and um, it was awesome. We got to talk to a lot of old guys and uh, met some people and then saw some people that I knew from way back. So 
it was kind of a cool thing. But uh, obviously ran into you in Vegas in January and all of that. So, you know, I, I think that now that I know that I don't have to shoot. See, my, my understanding, and this is something that's just being uh, naive about. I thought that you were going to have to shoot X amount of matches per year and having a full time job like you do as well. But I, I couldn't guarantee because I work weekends a lot that I couldn't guarantee X amount of matches per year. But now that I know that that's not necessarily the case, that opens up me a little bit more. Right. It's there. There's no requirement for that. Right. Um, once you get into Team RSF, you compete. It's how far you want to take it, right? Sure. I am what's called a uh, jersey holder, right? Um, you earn your memorial jersey. You actually wear somebody's name that is a recon. I saw it, and I, I love that. I saw your jersey, and it's got their name on the back. I uh, love right. that. That's really cool. Right. I have Major Allen Rowe. He was in – because I've been out so, for so long – I went down the list of all the recon sniper guys that's passed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, I, I found major Allen Rowe. He was a Sergeant around the time that I was out there. That's the only identity oh, wow. that, you know, that's the only way I can connect. Right. Everybody Absolutely. else, yeah. when I look at it, they were either way before my time or they were way after my time. Right. So, Earning that gray jersey does take some dedication. You have to be a certain level shooter. You have to uh, post, tag, post and tag, you know, your match video, you know, results and things like that. Um, Being a good guy is a big thing or a good person, good human being, always willing to help. Right. That is that speaks volumes towards that great jersey. And, you know, if you come in wanting to go that route, there is that piece. There's that path. And you can, you know, if get to that point where, you know, somebody wants to step down for action shooting. You you want to help drive just to keep the guys up and running. Right. and get them together once every Friday to do a dry fire session online. Sure. Absolutely. Focus on certain little, you know, focus, focus on certain little pieces to work on. Right. Um, Or get out and train together. So. I love the idea of a a weekly kind of a dry fire or at least nothing, if nothing else, um, a get together, especially like the PRS, because I'm new to the PRS game, and I, I've got some friends that are very like top twenty in the you know rankings and all of that. And I talk to them, but I also they're so far in advance where than where I am that I feel like I'm bothering them. But having guys that uh, I might be able to, like ask questions or hey. You know, I've got the Armageddon Schmedium bag. Is that a good one or is there a better bag out there? Or what kind of tripod are y'all using? What kind of binos are you using? Or, you know, little things. Hey, are you guys running uh, a silencer or are you guys running, you know, a, um, um, a what do you call it? A freaking pop, a break, a, 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 mus- a muzzle break, you know, and right. that's one of those things where, uh, it's kind of cool. And so that's kind of where, when I first started to shoot, uh, PRS, I went up to Missouri and I, 
it was the closest match that, that I could find. And so I went up there and I took a buddy with me and I was just went up there and I just sat there all day and just asked questions. And I'm sure I was bothering them, but the, the, what I loved about competitive shooting, even when I was doing IP, IDPA, like the welcoming into the club is awesome. It's a great community. People are more than happy to help beginners. And so I was just asking them different questions, but now having something where you could talk on a weekly thing and having that, that team, because I love team aspect. That'd be kind of great to have. Yeah, it's uh, definitely having that participation, right? For I can I I can tell you for PRS, it's a it's a great community as a whole, but PRS shooters are not out there. Oh, look at what I did! Oh, look at what I did! Right? right. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like the quiet guys. And that's right. that's what I like about it because um, IDPA it was fun. I I loved it. Did it for uh, several uh, a while. Loved it. Um, the PRS is more to me. It's more challenge because it's new. Um, I love getting behind a rifle. I love the idea of long range shooting. Um, more importantly, the guys that I've met so far are kind of my kind of guys. Um, just they're out there. We're having fun. We're going to help all that, but it's not about me. It's, it's about, you know, it, it's, and, and I, that's what I've found so far. You're right. It's not about being boastful and all that. It's once again, PRS comes from the sniper side of things. And those guys are, are really, I, mean, I got buddies that are snipers and they're just, they're very humble. They're, they're very, they're methodical about everything they do in life. Um, so yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy the long range stuff. I just, I'm not experienced enough to, um, know, I know enough to be dangerous. Does that make sense? I'm a good enough shot to be dangerous, but I, there's, I don't know what I don't know. And that's where I need to help is that next that, step. That's a big thing. That That's a big thing, right? Being humble enough to, to know that you don't know everything. Go yeah. observe, watch, talk to Absolutely. people. Why did you do it this way? Why did you use this piece of gear? Yeah. And there's yeah. so much to learn. I've been at this for a year and a half. I still feel like, yeah, I'm unassing myself with all mm-hmm. the gear, the different combinations, even moving a bipod back, <laughs> up, you know, by six inches helps you with elevation. I'm just like, yeah. uh. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, that's awesome. So Todd, thank you so much. We ran a little bit longer, uh, than I told you we were going to run. I hope I didn't cause any issues at home. Uh, I hope you didn't have plans, but, uh, we'll get you out of here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, we really appreciate you and, uh, go check out recon sniper foundation.org. Check out over on Instagram and all of that team RSF. Uh, I'll have all the links for all the social medias down there for uh, Recon Sniper and Team RSF. Um, I'll have them down there in the description. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. I appreciate you very much for coming on. Thank you very much for inviting me. Great chat. Um, we'll definitely hook back up uh, after this. Thank you. Most definitely. You got it, brother. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to check out all of our other podcasts from Season 1, our swag store, any of our videos, go check out our website, ghosttactical.us. Once again, thank you for listening and always supporting all of our ventures. We truly do appreciate you guys. We'll see you soon. Simplify.